mighty God we serve this morning. Are you glad to be in church today? Well, good morning to our family. Welcome to church this morning. It is good to be with you in the house of Lord and a privilege to be joining every one of those online and throughout all of our campuses today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We choose to rejoice and be glad in that fact. Amen. If you've come here because of Jesus today, would you shout amen? amen? He is a wonderful Savior. He is a mighty deliverer. And we count it a blessing to commit this time to Him. Before you take your seats, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you once again for the privilege to gather as your church to worship you, to honor you, to study your word and to learn what it means to be Christians that are called for a purpose at such a time as this. We ask, Lord, as we grow in the knowledge of who you are, that we would not be complacent about what is required of us, but instead that you would develop in us a dissatisfaction that would cause us to no longer be inwardly focused, but to be focused on a world, Lord, that so desperately needs you. Lord, we know that it's time to move into a greater commitment and fulfillment of your gospel. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would impart into us and develop in us a greater desire to shake off the things of this world and to focus on you and what we're called to do. As we move into a new season, a new spring at this time of the year, we ask that you would allow us to spring forth spiritually today as we apply the blood of Jesus to every part of our lives. We ask this all in your precious name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You're welcome to take your seats this morning. Church, it's a, a privilege to be with you today to bring you the word of God. And today I want to speak to you about applying the blood of Jesus for a new beginning. Applying the blood of Jesus for a new beginning. That's the title of the message. Church, the words new beginning are applicable, well, firstly, because spring has finally arrived. And I don't know about you, but it felt like this winter season would never end for me. Who's not a great fan of winter either right here? <laughs> but finally, warmer days are ahead of us, and the layers that I have to pile on every day are becoming less and less. You know what I'm talking about, eh? No scoff, you see? I'm okay today. The, new, the words New Beginning Church are also applicable because if we're honest today, some of us need a new beginning. Some of us, if not all of us, have gone through a season that has caused us to, to wither and shrivel up in a sense and forced us to apply these layers over ourselves in the attempt to protect ourselves. But in doing so, I'm concerned that we may have forgotten to apply the blood of Jesus. And if we are looking to apply layers of protection to whatever we are going through, church, the only layer that will protect us, whether it's winter or spring, whether it's a barren season or an abundant season, whether it's in the valley or on the mountaintop, the only layer of protection that suits every season, that works in every season, is what? It's the blood of Jesus. We have to apply the blood of Jesus. You see, the seasons we go through, just because they're different, and just because they are very challenging, it doesn't change God's ability to do what He needs to do in order for us to become more than conquerors in those seasons. 
In fact, God will use them to develop us for an even greater purpose in the future. And as I mentioned last week in my message, things happen in life. And whether they destroy you or not is really your perception of what has happened. But sometimes in life, we become stuck. Sometimes we become unstuck in life, and there are times where we just need a new beginning. We need a fresh start. We need to be able to reset or press the reset button and leave all the layers that we've been carrying with us that are slowing us down and taking our focus off what's really important. And so in the next few minutes together, I want us to focus on two passages of Scripture specifically. Yes, I will be mentioning other Scriptures, but two specifically as we look at what it means by applying the blood for a new beginning. If you've got your Bibles, you're going to turn to two passages, Hebrews 11 and Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, Moses, who was really a world changer, was about to change the world for the captives of Egypt, the nation of Israel. He was going to lead them into a new beginning and a new land. And the way that he did this all was by faith. We know Moses as the father of faith. And church, what you'll find is that is the same theme that you will find in Hebrews chapter 11. It's great men and women of God who had the courage and took risks and changed the world around them, and they did it all by faith. And so we read about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27. It says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And listen to this amazing sentence. It says, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Isn't that a fantastic description of faith right there? He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Verse 28, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. What you see here, church, is a Moses, a picture of a man that was full of faith. But before this happened, Moses himself needed a new beginning because at some point in his life, he crashed and burned. And God gave him a second chance at the burning bush. You know the story. He killed an Egyptian. He went into exile for 40 years. The Lord spoke to him again at the burning bush and recommissioned him again to service and gave to Moses and ultimately the nation of Israel a new beginning. And church, here's an important principle to remember when we talk about a new beginning. A new beginning is really a changed life. If you want a new beginning, what it means is changing things around you so that you don't keep on doing the same things that keep you stuck or in the same old rut. You know what I'm saying? A new beginning is a changed life. And church, very importantly, when you've been changed, you also want to see other people changed. Come on. Let me turn that around and say, if you don't want to see others changed, how much have you really been changed? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him 
they will ask the more. Church, if we could just wrap our minds around what God has done for us and how much he has forgiven us and how he has taken that sin and removed it from our lives, when we consider that, we should have an eagerness and an excitement and a passion to tell others what God has done. Moses had a new beginning. He was changed by what God had done in his life to the point that he was willing to take on the known ruler of the world at the time, he was willing to take on Pharaoh. The Jewish people were living as slaves under Pharaoh, and even though Moses, the answer to their prayers, had finally come, they had a problem because Pharaoh wasn't cooperating. Instead of releasing the Jews, he dug his heels in and he said, no, I won't release them. And he effectively just brushes God off. He said in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Talk about arrogance. And you don't want to pick a fight with God. So God gave to Pharaoh chance after chance to release the Jews. More plagues and more judgments. He said to Moses, Moses, just go in there and, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, Pharaoh rejected that, so the Lord brought judgments, ten plagues in total upon Egypt. And they included lice and flies and locusts and frogs and hell. And it just got worse and worse. Then the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart got harder. Finally, it says, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, which means the Lord strengthens Pharaoh's decision that he had already made. Now, Pharaoh knows that he's outgunned. He knows that he's outmatched. So he tries to get Moses to compromise. He tries to deceive Moses. And he says, all right, Moses, you go and worship the Lord, but don't go very far. And Moses says, no. The Lord said we must go a three-day journey. We're going to go a three-day journey. He says, okay, Moses, okay. Go and worship the Lord your God, but leave your children. Moses said, we are not leaving our children behind. They are coming with us to worship. All right, all right. Moses, you go and worship the Lord your God, but just leave your animals. And Moses says, listen, not a hoof shall be left behind. You get nothing. And he made a clean break with Pharaoh. And church, that's another important thing that you need to do when you want a new beginning. You have to make a clean break from what has been holding you in bondage. Because you can't have one foot in the land of freedom and one foot still in the land of bondage. Come on. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Make a clean break. And church, what's interesting is that Moses says we are not leaving a single thing behind because we needed to worship God. And I wonder this morning, as, as we're all coming through a very tough season, have we left some things behind? Have we forgotten what's, what's really important? In the pursuit of just getting through the season, in the hope of things just getting back to normal, have we left a part of our inheritance behind? You see, church, a new beginning doesn't mean that you leave your inheritance behind you. 
Yes, you make a clean break from the enemy, but you hold on to what God has given you and you use it to strengthen your worship in the new season. Right? You don't give up on the dreams that God has given you. You don't give up on your prayer life. You don't give up on spending time in God's word and praising and worshiping God. You don't give up on serving in God's house. You don't give up on our commitment to the Great Commission. You don't give up on raising your children in the knowledge of God and teaching them the importance of giving them themselves to the work of ministry. You don't stop leaving a godly legacy because it's been hard and, and now I'm in survival mode. And this is important, church, because we all go through tough seasons in life. None of us are exempt of that. But I want to give you an illustration. In winter, when the, the branches and leaves wither, you'll have some branches that fall off and some that remain connected. And if you were to pick up that broken off branch and you were to look at it, it would look dead, right? It's lifeless. But in the same harsh season, if you look at the branch that is still connected, it looks just as withered and just as dead. And you wonder if it's ever going to survive. But because it's connected to the vine, when the new season springs forth, that branch is filled with life-giving power again. And it blooms again, and there is new life and new purpose. There is a new beginning. And I want to say to you this morning, when we go through these tough seasons in life, don't disconnect yourself from the vine. Don't disconnect yourself from the vine and think, you know what, let me just get through the season, and then I'm going to try to graft myself back onto the vine again. Don't disconnect yourself from your inheritance in Jesus. And yes, life may wither you, and you may even wonder sometimes, am I actually living? But if you remain connected to your Savior, His blood still has the power to bring new life and to bring new hope. And as it says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 6, He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Make a clean break from the bondage of your enemy, but hold on to Jesus. Tell the person next to you, hold on to Jesus. There is wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? So Moses was ready to make a clean break, but Pharaoh was still resisting. So the Lord's going to bring a severe judgment on him, the death of the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt. And this might seem harsh, cruel, or even extreme on the part of God, but for all practical purposes, Pharaoh did this to himself. He brought it upon himself. Because God warned Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. He said, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. But you refuse to let my son go, so I will kill your firstborn son. God was very direct with Pharaoh. He said, look, this is my son. If you let him go, we're good. If you don't let him go, I'm coming after your son. So he was deciding his own fate. And be careful, church, because the trap that you set for another may be the trap that brings you down. The thing that Pharaoh was doing to the Jews would come right back on him. And so what God does right now, church, he gives 
instructions for the celebration of the first ever Passover. The Lord said, go three days journey into the land and you're going to have Passover and this is what it's all about. Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 1, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. And this is important, church. From now on, the Lord says, this month is to be the first for you for the first month. Excuse me, let me say that again. This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be your old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. So they were to offer to the Lord a healthy young lamb or goat, and then they were to sacrifice that animal. And then they were to take the blood of that animal and put it on the sides and the tops of the doorposts or the door frames of their houses. That was the representative of the festival of Passover. Now, church, let me ask you, what is this festival representative of? Jesus has been sacrificed on the cross, right? This is what Passover was pointing to. It was pointing to Jesus. All these Old Testament types of sacrifices all pointed to Jesus, who would be the fulfillment of them as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Scripture tells us, church, that He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Which means that before there was a solar system, before there was a planet called Earth, before there was a garden called Eden and a couple known as Adam and Eve, and before you and I were formed in our mother's womb, a decision was made in the councils of eternity that God Himself would come to planet Earth and be born as a helpless little baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And then He would live a perfect life. And then He would die as our substitute on the cross. And his precious blood would be shed. So what does Passover mean to us? Number one, church, the Passover is a new beginning. If you take your notes this morning, the Passover was to them, and for us this morning, a new beginning. God starts by making this a new beginning for the nation of Israel. He says in verse 2, this month is to be for you, the first month, the first month of your year. And that would be like us saying, we start in the year all over again because, well, the year hasn't gone that well. Maybe some of you are looking back at 2021 and you're saying, I wish this year could be a do-over. And that's what God was saying. We're starting the year over right now. This is a new beginning. This is where it begins for you. Church, have you ever wished that you could start all over again? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your relationship with your children or with your friends, or maybe because you've fallen out spiritually. Well, according to the Bible, you can. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things 
have become new. Or as the Weiss translation puts it, which is a translation from the original Greek, I want you to look at this. It says, anyone who is in Christ is a creation new in quality. The antiquated, out-of-date things which do not belong to the new life in Christ have passed away. Behold, all things have become fresh and new. Isn't that awesome? Amen. You are a new creation in Christ. And you see, you don't have to be bound by your past anymore. You can put it behind you. God can do that for your life because what's messed up and what's broken down and what's falling apart can become new and fresh in Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to acknowledge that by saying amen. 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 (laughs) I just love how the Lord said it starts now. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It can all change because of the blood of the Lamb. That's wonderful. Number two, the lamb that they were to kill was to be the very best. It was a lamb that was chosen and carefully examined, according to verse 3, with no defects. In other words, don't bring a sickly animal. Bring your best, bring the finest, bring the strongest. And church, why is this important? Because we should give our very best to God, right? I mean, if Jesus Christ showed up at your home for for lunch this afternoon, would you give him your your leftovers? Would you say, welcome in, Lord. He has a KFC rounder from three days ago. No. You would say, you would prepare a feast for a king, right? Just like, like Martha did when Jesus showed up in her home. But you know, often in life, we give God the leftovers. Because in some times, if not most of the time, we'll fill our day with so many things. And then we'll see if we have time for a quiet time. Or then we'll see if we have time for prayer and and for worship. We'll see if we have time in our week to attend a a prayer meeting at the church. I'm doing so many things, I'll get to that eventually. And you know what, I'll give some finances to the work of ministry if there is something left over at the end of the month. No. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, and what you'll wear. Put God first in your marriage and watch how you'll turn that around. Put God first in your relationships. Put God first in your finances and watch what he'll do there. Put him first in your career. Put God first. Give the very best to God because he gave his very best to you. That's what the Lord said to the nation of Israel. I'm giving you a fresh start. I want you to bring your best. And church, by the way, they bring in an animal that they had developed an affection for. He said, bring your lamb. Your lamb. Right? So probably it was even like a pet to them. And I know the pet lovers are thinking, man, how could they do that? That's so cruel. Let's go and fetch those lambs out of that house and and find a home for them. That is a joke you can laugh. But you know why God wanted to do that, church? He wanted them to see the enormity of their sin and the blackness of it. And by offering something they love and something that they had affection for, it showed that sin has a cost. That sin is painful and sin is deadly. And again, church, Christ offered himself up for us in the same way. The unblemished one, 
the one who knew no sin, offered himself up for you and for me so that we could be made right with God through the sacrifice. It was the sinless for the sinful. It was the perfect for the imperfect. It was the flawless for the flawed so that we could have a new beginning. That's how amazing our God is. Absolutely amazing. Number three, if you take your notes, the lamb had to be slain. Don't miss this. The lamb had to be slain. Church, it wasn't the life of the lamb that saved the people from judgment. It was the death of it. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's why the cross is so important. Because yes, it's the life of Jesus, but it's also the death and resurrection of Jesus that gives us access to the Father. That's why Christ said in Matthew chapter 26, this is my blood given in the new covenant for the forgiveness of sin. And you know, we talk about the blood. We, we even sing about the blood, and, and so we should. We sang about it this morning. We sing songs like there is power in the blood. Power, 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 wonder-working power. There's also that song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you're new to church this morning, you're probably thinking, man, this is one like bloody religion right here. Talking about the blood, singing about the blood all the time. And you know what? Yes, we do. Yes, we do talk about the blood. And yes, we do sing about the blood because our belief is nothing without the blood. And it gives us new life in Christ and access to the Father. Come on. The final point I want to share with you today, point number four, is that the blood has to be applied. The blood had to be applied. This is really important. So yes, the lamb had to be slain, but you had to apply the blood. If the lamb was killed and you did not take the blood and put it on your doorway, the judgment of God, that judgment would come upon you. Even if you slew the lamb, even if you you spilled the blood, you still had to apply the blood. Otherwise, you would not have your home passed over. And church, we too need to apply the blood today. And you may, say, you may say, well, pastor, how do we do that? When you say, apply the blood. Let's, let's get a bit more specific now. Let's say that you've committed a sin. Just a quick question. How many of us have, have ever committed a sin before in our lives? Good, then I'm speaking to all of us. So you've committed a sin. And whether it's a few decades ago or a, a few days ago, it's possible that that sin is haunting you today. And the enormity of that sin is coming on you like a ton of bricks. And you've realized how big it is and it haunts you. It wakes you up at night and it troubles you. You walk around with a guilty conscience and and you don't know how to get rid of that sin. What do you need to do if that's you? You need to apply the blood. You need to apply the blood of Jesus. And you say, well, pastor, you know what? I'm trying to work through things. I'm, I'm trying to forgive myself. What are you talking about? The Bible never says that you must forgive yourself. You cannot forgive yourself, right? You need to understand the power of the blood and what God has done when he, through Christ, has forgiven you. You need to apply the blood of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you hear that, church? It cleanses you from all sin. Not just some sin. Not just the, the giant, the big, and the scary sins. All sin. And I want to say to you today, don't use your sin as a crutch to hold you in bondage. Because if Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. He'll forgive you. But what you need to do is confess your sin. Did you know that the word confess literally means to agree with God? It means to acknowledge where you've gone wrong. So you don't rationalize it. You just agree with God, you apply the blood, and you move on. Don't be like the people who say, you know what, I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. Are you perfect? If there is sin in your life, call it for what it is. Because it's only when you clearly identify that sin that you are going to be able to walk in freedom. Don't say, you know what, I just made a bad judgment call. No. If you've been guilty of a sexual sin, call it that. If you committed adultery, say, I committed the sin of adultery. It's only when the sin that is holding you, church, is exposed that the blood can be applied and that you are able to walk into a new beginning. And you know what, church? If you're the type of person who keeps on bringing up the past and, and is always identifying yourself as a person who has messed up because of how you sinned in your life many, many years ago, Stop it. Stop digging it up. Stop bringing it up. Because why should we choose to remember what God has already chosen to forget? Now that doesn't mean that we won't reap what we sow in life. There will be consequences. But if we are talking about a new beginning, the blood of Jesus has not lost its power. And the enemy may be saying to you today, you're not going to be all that Christ called you to be in your life. You're a fake Christian. You, you know what? You're just a fake person. You're a hypocrite. You're always going to be stuck in bondage. And don't you ever think that you have a right to a new beginning. When he says that, you say, well, devil, my Bible says that I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. In fact, devil... The word says, even though in the book of Revelation, even though you are the accuser, I will overcome you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And let me tell you, devil, today I have a testimony. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm a lot further than when I started. I once was blind, but now I see. Come on. I once was lost, and now I'm found. I used to be a slave to sin, but because of the blood... You didn't hear me this morning, but because of the blood, I am walking into a new beginning this morning. I am making a clean break today, and I'm heading for the promised land because that is my destiny. That's what my Jesus died for. And I'm not going to be a person that lives in bondage all the time because of the price that my Jesus paid. It was too a greater price. At church, we're going to take communion together today, not casually, but with this in mind, that the blood has not lost its power. And the blood is the only layer of protection that will see us through every season of our lives. 
Apply the blood to the areas of your life that need it the most. And church, don't leave here today until you've exposed everything that is holding you from walking in newness of life and walking into new beginning. Can we just thank Jesus for what he's done in our life? Can we thank him that he's given us a new beginning?